0: Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour, and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. For many people, the baptismal formula is the ultimate evidence for eternity. It is one of the foremost proof texts used by many preachers and teachers when advocating that God is three persons. The famous words of Jesus are recorded in Matthew 28, 19. Most people read these words and conclude that God must be more than one person. Here are some examples of how popular this view is and so there's a lot of terms that we use theological terms to discuss various doctrines and this is called the doctrine of the trinity the three entities that compose the bible god and so that's really what we're discussing there's no conflict in that let me give you some examples in the bible matthew 28 some of the last words of jesus After he sends the disciples into the world, he says in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God gives command to the disciples to go baptize. Guess who shows up? All three. Now I have a question. Is the Father a person? Yeah, of course, of course. He's a a personal being. Is the Son a personal being? Well, guess what the Spirit is then? A personal being. Is this really what Jesus meant? Are there three entities that compose the God of the Bible? How did the disciples understand the words of Jesus? Does this verse really prove eternity? And if it doesn't, then what does it actually mean? We'll find those answers today. Hi everyone, I'm Nader Mansour and welcome to Prove All Things. The instruction of baptism that Christ gave is often interpreted as a theological statement about who God is. The verse in question is Matthew 28, 19, which says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Jesus was not teaching his disciples about who God is. He was talking about baptism and how it was to be done. What do we actually learn from the verse without infusing any external meaning into it? It tells us that there is a father, there is a son, and there is a spirit. There is no question about the existence of any of them. It's important to note what a verse says. And in this case, more important to note what the verse does not say. For example, it doesn't say anything about their nature. It doesn't tell us the relationship they hold to each other. It doesn't tell us they are three entities or persons. It doesn't tell us that God is made up of three persons. It doesn't tell us who the Holy Spirit is. It doesn't say that these three make one God. The word God is not even mentioned in the verse. It doesn't say this is the Godhead. You see, it doesn't say many things that people conclude from it. The relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit is not defined in this text. This is a key point. To insist that it means God is three persons is a giant leap beyond the information provided in the text. To define the relationship as three co-equal, co-eternal persons or beings cannot be proved from this passage. It's simply not there. Jesus actually said that teaching must precede baptism. The disciples were to teach the things that Jesus commanded. So what did Jesus actually teach when it comes to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit? This verse doesn't tell us, but previously, Jesus had made it very clear. Here is what Jesus had taught about the Father, that He is the only true God, that He is the Lord of heaven and earth, that He is the God of Israel. And this is what Jesus taught about Himself, that He is the Son of God, that God was His Father, that He came out from God, that is, begotten of God. That his sonship gave him a divine inheritance. His divine sonship was actually recognized by friends and enemies. And when it comes to the Spirit, this is what Jesus taught the Spirit is life, his very own life and breath. He demonstrated that by breathing on his disciples and saying, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, when speaking of the coming Comforter, which many people today think is someone other than Christ, jesus actually said i will not leave you comfortless i will come to you so when christ spoke of the spirit he was referring to his person the divinity of his character that's his teaching when it comes to the holy spirit this is what the disciples learned from the lips of christ when it came to the father the son and the spirit so they did not hear his instruction on baptism and come to the conclusion that many people come to today that is that God was three persons in one, making a trinity. You see, Jesus had never taught his disciples that God was like that. So taking his words in Matthew 28, 19, to mean the very opposite of what he plainly taught would be a major blunder. The practice of the disciples in carrying out the instruction of Christ is proof of that. In every recorded instance of baptism in the New Testament, we find that they were all done in the name of the Lord. Here is a list of them. Acts 2.38 Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 8.16 They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts 10.48 And He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 19.5 When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The disciples understood the instruction of Christ by baptizing people in the name of Jesus. That's because name means authority. Jesus carries all authority and power because it has been given to him. His instruction on baptism has to be understood in harmony with his teachings, not in opposition to what he said. Jesus never taught that God was more than one person. Baptism is for those who have heard the gospel taught to them. The heart of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This essential belief on the Son is a vital requirement for baptism. It was this declaration of faith that convinced Philip to baptize the eunuch. The story is found in Acts 8.37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This vivid illustration helps us avoid misunderstanding the words of Jesus when it comes to baptism and what is taught in anticipation. We cannot use the baptismal instruction to teach something that denies that Christ is the only begotten Son of God. That's exactly what the Trinity doctrine does. It denies the divine pre-incarnate Sonship of Christ. Jesus is our only way to the Father, even in baptism. That's why the disciples performed all the baptisms in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul summarizes that beautifully in Ephesians 2.18. For through Him, that's Christ, We both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Christ is the one who gives us this access. His Spirit, not someone else, is what links us with His Father, the great source of all. And through baptism, we affirm our faith in the only begotten Son of God, who alone is the way to the Father. That's what the baptism instruction that Jesus gave was about. There are some interesting claims made about this verse, actually. Some people believe that there is historical evidence to prove that it was added to the Bible. Whether that is true or not does not really change much. The verse that we have in our Bibles today cannot be used to support the doctrine of the Trinity. So in conclusion, there is a Father, the only true God. There is His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And there is the Holy Spirit, the personal presence of Jesus in the soul, which gives us access to the Father. This is what Jesus plainly taught his followers. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen certainly does not prove a trinity, nor does it prove that the Holy Spirit is a separate person from the Father and the Son. And it emphatically cannot be used to deny the divine sonship of Christ, the essential belief required for baptism. We'd like to hear from you. So if you have any questions you'd like to ask, you can email us from our website in the link below. And if this is your first time here, we'd love to have you subscribe so you can be notified of upcoming videos. We share timely present truth messages that will challenge you and will draw you closer to God. And remember to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. If you are blessed by this message, please share it with others. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through his son, Jesus.